Jazz. Schools. Also going to take it on the quarterback draw. He's to the 30, the 25, makes the move to the 20, 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. Number four of my best non-sports sports, wife carrying. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Jason Walker with you here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, being a part of the show today. Love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. Jason, we saw a text that came through. I didn't see this until too late, and I apologize. 2417 at the end of the show asked, are we going to have to dust off the air raid siren for Jason's guarantee we might because i i am doubling down on that guarantee i made yesterday that the jazz will come away with somebody in the draft i was talking more about the second round and kind of assuming they won't make a trade but if they go in without a draft pick i believe they'll trade into the second round which we'll probably get to later there's still time for them to get into the first round and if that happens then my guarantee still stands it'll just look slightly different (laughs) but yeah. Uh, we will be talking about the NBA draft. It takes place tomorrow, and uh, as is typical, there will be activity leading up to and in the middle of the draft. And, Jason, it's begun. Um, pretty big deal today. Uh, Portland Trailblazers active. Uh, they have, they have uh, been involved with the Detroit Pistons. Detroit is trading Jeremy Grant to Portland. For a 2025 first-round pick, which comes to them via Milwaukee. But here's how it also gets weird. Detroit swaps to 2022 second-round picks, uh, getting the 36 for 46 with Portland. Denver gets a 2025 second-round pick back from Portland. And Portland sends the most favorable 2026 second-round pick between Portland and New Orleans to Detroit. It's just... That's it's kind of maddening to try to keep track of where all this draft capital is headed. You lost me after you said Jeremy Grant. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have, I have to see these visually. Like, I've got to look up and just be like, all right, here's the trade, and I'm like, okay, these guys get this, and these guys get this. Although when you start saying more favorable draft pick, then it's like, all right, just come on, <laughs> what are we doing here? I like Jeremy Grant. I would have loved to see him in a Utah uniform. Uh, I think that he would fit in well with their scheme and their personnel, but he's off to Portland. Um, And in exchange, Detroit gets some weird gobbledygook of picks in return. Yeah, just a a lot of stuff. Trades trades are just so complicated in the NBA. They just – the pick swaps, the – you know, all the salary matching that you have to do, it's just, it's crazy. So, it's, um, I, I guess, a little bit more. on The 2025 first-round pick, this is according to Woj now, that previous uh, reporting, that was, well, that was also from Woj, but I guess some more detail here from Adrian Wojnarowski. The 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee is protected, uh, numbers one through four, Detroit sends Grant into a $21 million trade exception 
And Pistons now have $43 million in salary cap space for free agency. So They're going to go after Kyrie <laughs> or us. Uh, or, well, for a hot minute, everyone was excited about Bradley Beal. You know, he he declined his player option, but the reporting seems to be that's very much a decline the player option, sign an extension. That seems like what he's doing. Yes, that's still out there. Um, yeah, that trade came in like eight minutes ago. That was that's you surprised when you said that I hadn't seen it yet because I've been I'd been prepping for the show for the last little bit, and then all of a sudden a trade. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't have Woj set on my notifications at the moment, so I pulled up the Twitter and uh, just as we're starting the show, and there it is. Um, so Jeremy Grant averaged uh, the last couple of seasons averaged twenty one points, four and a half rebounds. Shooting nearly 43% from the field, 35% from three. Um, Portland got better. That's a great compliment to Damian Lillard. It's weird because it almost felt like they were tanking and like looking to rebuild, maybe rebuild around Dame. I don't know. This definitely signals, yeah, we're building around Dame now. We're trying to win now. It felt weird after kind of a tank here. But, yeah, Grant is definitely, you know, the Trailblazers have tried to make a lot of these kind of moves, and none of them have worked. They traded for Robert Covington. They've done various trades. This one, hopefully it works. Um, you, know, you said you like Jeremy Grant. I have too. I've long hoped that he'd end up in a Jazz uniform. And Grant's clearly trying to go somewhere that's good. <laughs> he keeps bouncing around different teams. And hopefully this works out for him. Hopefully Portland... You know, I won't hope too hard for Portland because I do still hope for the Jazz, but <laughs> I, I do kind of like Portland because I like Dame. So uh, hopefully this turns out well for him. Well, now you'll have Damian Lillard, you'll have Simons, Hart, Grant. Uh, that's that's an interesting lineup. Yeah, there's there's some pieces there, and that's the thing is just their biggest thing has been can they get all the role players lined up. You know, can they get the defense right? Because for long, I mean, the longest time, it was kind of tied to the fact they were starting Dame and CJ. Well, now CJ's gone, so maybe their their lineup can be a little bigger because it's a similar problem the Jazz had. They just can't be a good defense when you're starting two guards that are like 6'2 and under. So now their lineup would be a little bit bigger. Grant can function as a secondary scorer that they lost with CJ, um, but he's obviously a little bigger. So there's some things that could be going their way, and if they get all the pieces in there right, get a good defense, and have Dame lead the way, you know, that's a serious threat. If the Jazz are still looking at that win now mode by you know whether or not they trade Gobert and whatnot, that'll be a you know a serious hindrance to them as far as getting up in the standings. Right, and if they can all stay healthy, that's a, that's been an issue with Portland as well. Uh, it's, the center position has had problems. Uh, they've had a couple other role players have uh, problems staying healthy and staying on the floor. But uh, that is an interesting selection there for Portland. Um, and uh, once again, the West gets better. And, and what are the Jazz doing to get better? Well, we're going to find out. Of course, any of the moves they could maybe make might end up making them worse, mainly in trading Gobert. I've heard rumblings of Mike Conley to to Boston in exchange for Marcus Smart. I think those that's a bit optimistic. Because Boston, they're talking about needing a uh, a veteran point guard, just like Washington. Um, so, you know, the value for Mike Conley is up there because teams always want veteran point guards. So if the Jazz can swap him for a guy that fits better, 
that's about the one move where they get better. Otherwise, they're looking getting worse immediately via trades of Rudy Gobert, basically. Yeah. So, um, draft is tomorrow night, and the Jazz have a history of being active around the draft. They don't have any picks. What will they do to get some, or are they just going to let it come and go and then see what else they could do? Uh, Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz, actually met with media yesterday, uh, and uh, he was asked about that. And we'll, we'll play that media availability here in just a little bit. It was about five, five and a half minutes, um, so we'll air it in its entirety. But a uh, quick summary on just this particular topic is that every time he talks to the coaches or those involved in the draft room, as he calls it, uh, which has only been twice, but every time they've asked him about being making some moves to get into the draft. So it's clearly on their mind, and it's they have a history of doing it, so don't be surprised if something happens by tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I would personally put a guarantee, but I usually take with a grain of salt anything that an owner GM coach says about trades on draft day because they all say the exact same thing. You know, yeah, we're looking at it. We're doing it, which they do. They are looking at it. They are doing their due diligence. You've, you've mentioned multiple times how the Jazz are working out guys in the teens that are expected to go in the teens of the first round because they may end up drafting there if a trade for Rudy Gobert, you know, comes down the line. So, but him saying, yeah, I'm looking at it. We're looking at a trade. That's PR fan hype. That's really what that is. <laughs> that's true. And I think the other thing, too, that um, uh, I think people need to keep in mind, too, that Danny Ainge really didn't make very many bad deals when it came to deals that were done in, with Boston. He usually came out on top way more often than not. The The trade-off for that, though, is you know how many almost deals Danny Ainge made? He almost traded for every star in the league at some point. <laughs> he almost traded for Anthony Davis. He almost traded for um, – uh, you go on the list of guys he almost traded for. He's the almost trade champion. And part of that, it's you mentioned he's never lost, you know, supposedly like never lost or usually doesn't lose a trade. It's to a fault because he won't pull the trigger on a deal unless he really likes it, which is not the greatest way. Obviously, you never want to lose a trade, but sometimes you you got to risk it. You got to say, okay, maybe I'm not obviously winning this trade, but maybe right. there's some, some upside that I'm seeing. But I don't get the sense that the Jazz are in a fire sale mode where yeah. it's like we're going to make any deal just to shake things up. We still feel like we have a team that can be competitive, and we still feel like we have valuable pieces. Whether we keep them or trade them, they have value. So we want to make sure we get value in return. Yeah. I just don't want him not trading because he can't get that 2029 20, second-round pick. You know, <laughs> it's like, i got to absolutely win this. i got to add that second-round pick and this player. Like, you don't want that holding up a deal that ends up, you know, helping the Jazz in their plans, you know, whatever they're planning. Right, helping the team get better. Uh, to our full court press text line nine three one five, is Jason Walker related to Walker Texas Ranger? <laughs> if he is, then he's a pretty tough guy. Um, uh, is there a relation to Walker Texas Ranger? No, <laughs> I mean maybe, maybe but no. Should, maybe we should create that. Uh, uh, if I can do a roundhouse kick, will that like <laughs> does that make me related to? Him? <laughs> I, I've gotten that so much. There's two things that people always comparison is Walker, Texas Ranger, 
then at one point people it was younger people who didn't know about walker texas ranger they would talk about the walking dead because apparently the zombies in that show are called walkers i've i've never seen either walker texas ranger or the walking dead so these (laughs) references were just going over my head anyway other than you know the names um and that chuck norris plays (laughs) texas ranger so well, if you are related, 9315 wants to know if uh, you can get us discounts on those exercise roller machines that he has. Probably not. I mean, maybe I can try and call him up and say, hey, my name is Walker. Family discount? Come on. I haven't tried it with Jason's Deli either, so. <laughs> uh, 9315 adds, just kidding. Why do they see if either you pop culture like the last host didn't, Either, especially his Kenny's? Uh, okay. Thank you, 9315. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm not very good with pop culture. That's my thing, if, if that's what you're wondering. I'm not super, like, knowledgeable of it. Because I don't watch a whole lot of TV shows. That's my problem. You'll find I have not watched very many TV shows or movies. Oh. So my we, pop we might culture run into is some, lacking. Some issues at some point here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to swing back to the Utah Jazz. We've got the drafts coming up tomorrow. Right now, the Jazz do not have any picks first or second round but if they could i mean it's probably more likely they get into the second round than the first yeah i mean there's rumors that with the rudy gobert or mike Connolly deal the jazz might be asking for a first round pick but it's probably more likely than that if they do something they'll get into the second round yeah because the thing is you can pretty much just buy second round picks with cash or maybe swap them for later seconds. Granted, the Jazz have traded a ton of their second-round picks lately, and they've not utilized their second-round picks very well. Aside from, I think, uh, was the the trade for Jordan Clarkson, did they send Dante Exum and a second-round pick, or did they get a second-round pick back? Uh, ooh, good question. I, yeah, I can't recall. remember. It felt like that one was a pretty effective use of a second-round pick, if, that, if it's what I'm remembering. But... A lot of the trades, you know, they traded a second-round pick for, oh, what was that shooter they traded for at the end of, like, two years ago? or so? Maybe it was this year. They traded for some shooting guard at the trade deadline. I oh, can't even remember right, his and name. he came over from Miami. Yeah, he's, he's not even on the team anymore. They kept him for, like, the, the rest of the season, played all of 10 minutes, and he was another three-point specialist who didn't play defense, as if we needed another one of those. <laughs> Like, it was the most disappointing trade. That, yeah, it, was, it would have been like two years ago because this last one they traded for, uh, um, I've already forgotten their names, guys who barely played except for uh, Hernan Gomez. Uh, he he kind of came in at the end. Yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker really didn't do Yeah, anything. that's one. Yeah, he, he, He's he, another one of your brothers he was cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the Alexander-Walker. He's... <laughs> It's like a very, very distant cousin where they started adding things to it. And we didn't approve of that. No, we can't have that. Can't can't taint the Walker family name. Okay, so um, either undrafted guys that the Jazz may look at or potential second-rounders. Anybody in that second-round class or fringe guy that you think the Jazz could still pick up who stands out to you? Yeah, so quickly, uh, 6804 said uh, Cleveland got two second rounds, so it seems like we may have traded two second rounds, Dante Exum for Jordan Clarkson, uh, which was an effective use still, of second-round picks. That was a good deal. So that's – they did that. But it others – out in Utah's favor. Yeah. Other, other times, not so much. 
Uh, so one guy, I haven't done nearly as deep a dive into this year's second round as I did some like last year and even the year before, where really trying to find these, you know, maybe hidden gems. Because the the best ones tend to land obviously closer to the first round, but you can find guys in the late 30s and 40s, and I think one guy. It's tricky to predict where guys are going to land in that 30s and 40s because they'll project him into the 30s and he'll get picked to like 25 or 57. It's really weird. But one guy who I think is somewhere in the 30s and 40s is Wendell Moore. Um, at least the one board I'm looking at has him at uh, at 41. So you could, again, that's going to be a bit of a higher price. It might be harder to just straight up buy that second round pick. Maybe you'd have to swap different assets it, it depends um uh, however they do all those negotiations like i want five million dollars for it or right they, they never say how much they buy him for it just says cash considerations yeah that's true but anyway so wendell more like in and for me i should explain like my thoughts as far as who i'm looking at is versatile defenders basically what i've been looking at for the jazz for like the last three years because that's what they need and those are the guys that are more likely to be able to step into the lineup because I'm not looking for another Jared Butler because there's some of those guys in here that are those, you know, high-volume scores. There may be a little, you know, kind of that 6'3", you know, combo guard is what they always call them, but also also known as they're too short to be a shooting guard. So for me, I'm looking at guys with size and, you know, defensive acumen, already established defensive possibilities because – if you run into a guy who's six foot nine has a seven three wingspan, okay, theoretically he can play good defense. But does he want to play good defense? Yeah, ooh, good point. At this point, you don't coach defense into a guy. It very rarely happens. Maybe you can get away with it when they're young, but the the best is when they can already do it. It's like Herbert Jones. He steps in, was really great defender. A guy I was looking at, like JT Thor, he had the measurables he barely played this season. So the one guy I'm looking at, Wendell Moore, uh, he has some of the tools. He's, I believe, six foot five ish Yeah, six foot five, seven foot wingspan. He has that, you know, that, that defensive prowess. He likes playing defense. He gets into it. Has that lockdown potential. He has versatility. You know, he's not the six seven, six eight guy, but when you know six five and a seven foot wingspan, that can guard pretty much anybody one through four. Little trickier on some of the bigger power forwards, but Royce manages to defend power forwards at six foot four, so True. it's possible, you know, in switching. And he's also done pretty well from three. He he looks like the guy who can be a classic three and D, you know, borderline starter um, kind of player. I mean, this last year, he he really took a jump. His last year, his uh, junior season, or whatever his third season. I don't know the. With the COVID year, who knows? Yeah, it's, you never know whether it was actually a sophomore, junior, freshman, or whatever. But uh, he shot 21% his first year, 30% his second year, jumped all the way to 41% this last year. So if that's not just kind of a weird jump that, you know, maybe he just shot above how good he is, then maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's just not real. But, like, the fact that he managed to shoot 40% on three attempts over an entire season, almost 40 games, that's that's good improvement. Mm-hmm. And that shows in his free throw percentage over his whole career is above 80%. So he's got all the makings of a 3 and D player. And that's really what I'm looking for. So if you're buying into the second round, this is one of the guys you really want to be looking at. 
Uh, a player that's standing out to me, uh, I like Tyrese Martin, uh, forward out of UConn. He may not be available by the time the Jazz get to him, but if possible, he's somebody who stands out to me. Just I like his length. He's a forward with a lot of energy. Um, and when he was at UConn, he he showed an ability to, to guard multiple players or multiple positions on the floor. Uh, he did develop a three-point shot um, over his career. Um, he was averaging about 32% the first three years, and then it jumped up to 43%. Uh, this uh, this last season, so a guy that's athletic, uh, is quick, can guard multiple multiple positions on the wing, but has that ability to shoot from three. That's what Utah really needs. I mean, we're kind of in a line here of yeah. what Utah is really lacking, and the type of player they need to target. Yeah, and I remember seeing people talk about Tyrese Martin. I, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but it'd be, I saw somebody tweet out a little highlight reel and say this is you know really great defender who might be available on the. You know, somewhere maybe in the second round, he might have moved up since then. But because this was a couple months ago, and so I looked at him, and was like, "Yeah, this guy looks really good. The exact kind of player like Wendell Moore, versatile, decently long guards or you know guard forward types." And that is exactly what the Jazz need, and it's the kind of guy that could you could plug in because there's not really going to be much room if Mike Conley comes back. There's not really room. It's why picking Jared Butler as much as I like him wasn't the greatest move because. Where was he going to play? He was never going to start. It's why having Yudoka Azubuki was kind of dumb because he had a, he had a center and a backup. You're drafting a third string center. You don't want to draft a fifth string guard. You want to look at where there's openings in the rotation where there's a need. You know, because you know, especially the, as the NBA is evolving to positionless basketball, yeah. and you need guys that can do multiple things on the court, uh, especially with length on the perimeter. Yeah, because it feels like the Jazz are still sort of stuck in the position, at least as far as they have a definite center, they don't ever play small ball center, and they have forwards and they have guards. Like, And they're pretty rigid in that. So you got to have these guys going to be a little bit more positionless, defend multiple positions, because right now like, none of their players can really defend multiple positions. Don can barely defend his own position. Mike Conley can guard his own position. Royce can guard three and four, so... Basically the forwards, maybe some guards. He's not quite quick enough. And then Rudy, I mean, he can kind of guard all five positions, but you really want him hugging the paint. So getting these kind of guys that can be versatile defenders is something you need to stock up on because look at the teams that made the finals. You know, the Warriors, they got Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, all these guys that are able to defend multiple positions in Boston. Heck, their one through five can switch one through five. Yeah, they had them in spades. So... The Jazz need to have something like that. You know, because the Warriors, they weren't exactly like Boston because they had, you know, Steph, he's not very versatile, and Jordan Poole's not super versatile in defense. In fact, he's kind of a weakness. But there are other guys, most of their role players. I mentioned Wigan. Green's not a role player, but, you know, he's their main defender. But then Kevon Looney was a pretty versatile defender down low. So they need that, and these are kind of where they can start. Uh, 9315 suggests just bring Carl out of retirement. He's always saying he's in game shape and ready to go. Yeah, Carl would be a bruiser in the paint. You know, he he actually developed an outside shot before he retired. Yeah, that uh, late 90s, early 2000s spot-up long two-pointer, that, that doesn't fly in the NBA anymore. No, no. You have of, to stretch that out a little bit further. Yeah, most of the guys that uh, 
nowadays that had those, they pushed those out to the three-point line. Al Horford, Brooke Lopez. There's somebody else I'm basing on. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge actually, too, did that. So DeMar DeRozan's like the one guy, the one mid-range guy that just never can manage to get a three. I don't know why he can't shoot threes. It's not in his game. Yeah, it's he's, He lives in the mid-range game. And Kevin Durant can, too. I mean, yes, he can shoot from three, but he takes a lot of mid-range shots. Well, yes, that's the thing is that the best players can shoot mid-range, and they shoot it effectively. Effectively enough because, you know, there's the analytics, you know. When, when the talking heads bring up analytics, they think it just means don't take mid-range jumpers, which is – that's not what it is. Not really. It's you go to space. Yeah, and it, well, it's taking the best shots. A Kevin Durant mid-range shot is – better than a lot of players' three-pointers because he makes it like 50%. So you want that shot. You want a Kevin Durant mid-range shot over a, I don't know, some average three-point. I'm trying to name. I'm trying to figure out an average three-point shooter. Like this past year, you would want a Kevin Durant mid-range more than a Jordan Clarkson three. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's because it's a more efficient shot when he takes it. Now, you don't want a Royce O'Neal mid-range shot because – He's now making that nearly enough. So no. it's why DeMar DeRozan is an efficient player, despite the fact that he's old school and analytics say he shouldn't know. DeMar DeRozan should play the way he does because he's good at it. Yeah, no, that's true. Now, uh, a few other guys that I don't know that they'll – one, I don't know if he'll be available because I think he'll be taken ahead of where the Jazz might be able to get into. But could be an intriguing player for them to look at is David Roddy. Uh, out of Colorado State. Got that Mountain West connection. Yes. I just look at him in the mold of kind of like a a Draymond Green, uh, a Williams in Boston, just a a bigger body who can defend and it would be hard to push around, but also has a a nice outside shot. Not a great outside shot, but he has developed that and it's become more of a consistent shooter. Now, my question for, for Roddy would be, would he have enough endurance at the NBA level. See, that's the tricky thing is when you're a 6'5", 252-pound guy, that that worked in the 90s, you know, with Charles Barkley, the round mound of rebound. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He was able to pull that around. Um, You know, it it was just easier back then with with a little less spacing. Here, I mean, he can space the floor on offense. For me, it would be more about the defense. Can he? Because the the shorter power forwards, the Draymond Greens, the Royce O'Neals, and some others – they tend to be kind of bulldog defenders and be fairly versatile. Like I said, Royce can defend up to, you know, some guards. He has versatility on defense. Draymond Green, we, we don't don't need to go over all the defensive accolades he has and how good he is at it. Can Roddy be something like that? Because otherwise, you know, as good as his offense is, to be good enough on offense, you know, to make up for maybe a lack of defense, he'd have to be basically a superstar on offense. So can he be good enough defensively? And endurance is going to be part of that because can he keep up with, you know, all the running and all the spacing and all that? Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, uh, do you think Justin Bean has a chance to make it on a, an NBA roster? He'll get on an NBA roster. He'll be in the summer league. He'll get signed by somebody. If not drafted, he'll be an undrafted free agent somewhere and get a chance. The thing with Bean, and the biggest help was being able to shoot a spot-up three. That helped so much with his draft stock. Yeah, so he's able to develop his game. Spent a lot of time in the offseason working on that. Yeah. 
because he just made that huge jump. He got that hitch he had out of his shot, just this awful hitch that he developed after his mission. That's You can see the remnants of it if you knew it was there. But he's able to get it off cleanly. He's able to get it off a little quicker. That is the biggest thing, that, and it's something that scouts and you were telling him about. So the the thing for him, again, will it'll come down to defense. Can he be a versatile defender, and does he have the quickness to stay in front of NBA athletes? If he has that, he's got great tools in rebounding and in shooting. Those could get him on an NBA roster, and if he you know, shows out well enough, maybe summer league, he could find himself on a roster, maybe play his way you know, into a small role and just kind of go from there. So he has, theoretically, all the tools he needs to be a, you know, a decent backup player, maybe a fringe starter at his highest potential. But it all comes down to, does he have quick enough feet to be a versatile defender? Because, you know, as, as like a six 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 seven power forward, that's a maybe a tad small. Yeah, I, I agree. I, but I think that his if there's one thing that will give him a chance is just how hard he hustles and uh, his activity level on the court. Uh, and there may be some teams that just need that. Yeah. But can he? Can a team justify giving him a roster spot? Can he develop enough of the other things that maybe he's struggled with consistently enough at the collegiate level? Is he improving that outside shot, getting it off quicker, more smoothly? Um, and can he defend? Because in the college level, he was defending bigger, slower guys. At the NBA level, guys his size are going to be much faster, much more athletic. Yeah, so if he can keep guys in front of him, because that's what gets you on the court as a young player, is your defense. If you can play defense, you know, and, you, and you're a back-end-of-the-draft undrafted guy, your defense will get you on the court. If you don't have that, you don't get on the court, unless it's garbage time. Because so if he can play that defense and he can be that energy guy, you you bring up energy and I, I forgot to do that because that's that is a big part of his thing. His appeal is to be that energy guy. So he could potentially be that for a team, but it, it comes down to he's got to be a net positive. Doesn't matter how much energy you have, how many cool rebounds you can get, how many three pointers you can hit when you're wide open. You need to be a net positive on the court somehow, and it's going to start with his defense. All right, uh, we'll see what the Utah Jazz do on draft night tomorrow, if if anything, because right now they can't do anything. Uh, but we'll hear from uh, the owner, Ryan Smith. He met with the media yesterday talking about the rebrand, the jerseys. Okay, he, he has seen the fan reaction, uh, so he reacts to that, uh, but also about the Jazz coaching search and uh, getting into the draft. That's all coming up next on the Full Court Press. would love to hear from you as well on these topics. Chime in. On our full court press text line, 435-339-0321. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, located at uh, 695 North Main in Logan, open every day of the week now. They're open up on Sundays. So if your week is busy and your Saturdays get full, you can still have Sunday to get your vehicle taken care of where they'll get you in fast, they're clean, they're easy to, to deal with, and they'll get you back out on the road quickly. That's Valvoline Instant Oil Change. 
You've been putting up with a dirty, dusty wood stove for years. Why haven't you changed it? Go to Advanced Fireplace and Stove in Logan. Look through their showroom for ideas on quadrifier pellet and wood stoves and heat and glow gas fireplaces. They have several demos in place so you can see firsthand how your project will look. And you can trust the pros at Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They'll do the job right. Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. This is Gene Needham of S.E. Needham Jewelers. If you are in the market for a diamond engagement ring, I would like to personally invite you to visit our store. With our beautiful selection of rings and broad diversity in style, you are sure to find a ring you'll love. You'll enjoy our quiet atmosphere as you view our beautiful selection of diamonds. We grade each diamond twice in order to assure exactness in the diamonds we present. Shop and compare, and then come to the Diamond Engage Ring Store, where Utah gets engaged. Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Hi, this is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. At White Pine, we value compassion, integrity, and service. We are committed to serving you and treating your family as our family. We will be here when you need us most to listen, to help, and to provide exactly what your circumstances require. At White Pine, we promise to dedicate our time and attention to you and your family. We invite you to come by and meet us. We're confident you'll feel a difference. Cash Valley Bank's newest branch is now open in Preston. I'm Lance Zollinger, and I'm excited to announce Cash Valley Bank is now open inside Stokes Marketplace. If you're an existing customer, you'll love the convenience. If you're not a customer, we'd love to have you open a new account with us, or even talk with us about a loan for your farmer business. Cash Valley Bank, a community bank where decisions are still made locally. Now open in Preston. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Don't get caught without power to your home or business. This is Tyler with Golden Spike Electric. We offer Generac backup generators to keep your home or business warm, avoiding frozen pipes, loss of valuable food, or even a flooded basement. Golden Spike Electric is certified and factory trained, so you know it will be installed right and properly maintained. Contact Golden Spike Electric so you'll never be without power again. Online at gsegenerators.com. We also service other brands. Golden Spike Electric and Generac, power you can count on. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor, inviting you to check out our new location at 615 North Main in Logan. If you're looking for a rig that will turn heads on the road, each vehicle on our lot has been customized and built for your adventure. Whether it's hauling kids, hauling trailers, or roaming in the mountains, choose from our collection of trucks and SUVs at Mountain West Motor like no other dealership in Cache Valley. Visit us at mwmotor.com. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. Avoid the stress of renting a shampoo machine and cleaning that dirty upholstery yourself. This is Dial with ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry's hot carbonated extraction process will make any piece of furniture in your home look close to brand new again. Sofas, love seats, recliners, or even car seats. ChemDry of Northern Utah is happy to clean your carpets, but don't forget about making sure everything in your home is the cleanest, healthiest environment for your family. ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. Here's Chad Norton, 
The Lawn Doctor, with a tip for your lawn. The way you water your lawn makes a big difference. Water restrictions and water costs have both increased over the years. Lawn Doctor is excited to introduce a new service that keeps your lawn green and healthy while watering less. One application of our new HydroGuard service reduces your water frequency by up to one day a week, saving you water and money. Watering help, fertilizer, weed, and pest control. Call Chad Norton, the Lawn Doctor, at 753-LAWN. Follow them on Facebook or go to LawnDoctorCashValley.com. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Hey, the fan congratulates this year's Best of Northern Utah Gold and Silver winners. Presented by Campbell Snacks, home of Pepperidge Farm. Over 1,100 businesses were nominated this year. Over 600,000 votes were cast in 185 different categories. Go check out who the winners are uh, online, bestofnorthernutah.com, or pick up your free magazine today in uh, about a dozen different locations around Cache Valley and even some in uh, in, in Tremonton as well. Um, look, the Utah Jazz have had their fair share of, uh, I wouldn't say, controversy but a lot of talk there's been a lot of talk with the coaching change rumored trades and now new jerseys and a new rebrand that was the controversy as if they didn't have enough right they had to throw that on there too yeah we talked plenty about the new coach and all the potential trades that was all mostly positive you know the kind of stuff that fans always do that's not really negative but then uh backlash (laughs) On the fan, the jerseys, that was probably the most negative thing of the offseason so far. Um, so Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz, addressed the media yesterday. Before we do that, though, quickly, uh, a text in our Full Court Press text line from 9315 asking, when is Mountain West Football Media Days? Uh, those are actually going to be, and is anyone going to be there from the Full Court Press? Uh, those will be taking place the end of July, so we're about a month away. Our good friend Craig Hislop will be there in person, so he'll be filing reports from there, interviewing uh, interviewing coaches and players, and the conference commissioner will do uh, an event as well that he'll be a part of. So we will have some representation there to answer that question. Uh, But Ryan Smith met with the media covering a lot of different topics. So rather than soundbite him, bringing this to you in its entirety of uh, about five and a half minutes here, him addressing questions from the media covering a wide variety of topics. Well, I think um, I checked in last night and this morning, and I think Danny and Justin are doing a great job. They're leading it out. I think, um, you know, I trust them, and I think we trust them, you know, with 100% confidence. I think we've got some some great minds, and they're working amazingly together to go build out a process. And I think the good news is, is there's a lot of phenomenal coaches in the NBA. The NBA is in great hands and um, that gives me a lot of com- comfort. I know it gives them. Is there's a there's a great group of talented coaches and we'll see where it goes. Is there a timeline on that? I think Danny set that up in the press conference. I mean, that was not my timeline. That was like, he was pretty direct on what that timeline would be and um, that's what he's here for. He's here to lead and my job is to empower him. As we heard, there was a pretty lengthy list of candidates. Yeah. You know, you guys talked about being thorough. At what point do you kind of anticipate that list of candidates being whittled down? I think I think they announced, or someone announced, that they were they were going into that second round in that process. But I think he set the timeline out there, and um, you know, he'll uh, he'll definitely update everyone. 
How involved are you kind of those interviews? I'm really not. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I believe that um, you hire the best and you empower them. And I don't think there's a better basketball brain than Danny. Um, he's definitely in the Mount Rushmore of NBA executives. And um, the way he, him, and Justin are doing this process. I mean, we'll come in at the end and see the recommendations, see what they want to go do, and have long discussions and interview and meet the candidates at the end. But outside of that, I don't want to bias them. Is there kind of same question, I guess, for your level involvement as far as like trades or the draft or anything upcoming? Yeah, I mean, it, it truly is that way. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think Danny said in Boston there was maybe two or three times in 18 years where they weren't aligned. I think it's probably something that most people don't understand that normally some of these things are, are very rarely where there's not something that's pretty clear. Um, and someone's got to call the shot, and I'm there for that if there's not alignment, for sure. Would you like to see the team acquire a pick by drafting? Uh, I've been in the draft room twice, and I think both times they've asked to, to acquire a pick and pay money. So I think absolutely. I mean, everyone wants to be able to try to figure out if there's a young talent, um, especially with Danny's track record. Um, I mean, I'd love to see if he had as many picks as possible. So, um, but, you know, once again, like... It's a market. It's a marketplace, so it has to be right. There's been a lot of kind of speculation about how the roster might shake out, what level of change is needed. Have conversations been, have there been more of them to this point than in previous years? Um, I think the NBA, I mean, look, the beauty of the NBA is the offseason is just exciting as the, the regular season. Um, I think there's a lot written out there, and I laugh half the time because one, someone writes one article and another one comes out, and you just kind of sit back and laugh because it's not even close to the truth. But um, I think there's a lot of buzz, and there's going to be a lot of buzz this week around every team. I mean, every time you turn around, there's something new. I guess along the line, how do you weigh how the last few years have played and kind of balancing you know the continuity of you've got a talented core here versus the need to maybe change things up just given how the playoffs have, have unfolded yeah it's a good question i mean i think that you know on most of that i'm just going to defer to danny and justin i mean when it comes to player personnel and and how they look at the roster and play and combining that with the coach they're a lot more qualified to to go and search that out and, and work at that than I am, and I, I, I completely trust them on that. What have you thought about the fan response to the rebrand? Did they? No. <laughs> uh, so first of all, it's, it's probably, um, I think you got to back up. Like, I love our fan base. Like, fans short for fanatics. We have an incredible fan base. Like, it is... Like, I've been, I'm, I'm a fan, I'm, a, I'm part of it. Um, you know, I remember when, when the, the first City Edition was rolled out, and then the second one and the evolution of that. Um, but I think if you take a step back, um, our goal with, with that rebrand is to say, hey, look, first, like, we wanted to bring Purple back. And I know people say that's an afterthought because there was three jerseys in the four, well, there was four jerseys, and we're going to release four purple jerseys in the next 36 months. Um, but I also believe that we also want to get a cleaner, simplified look with how much Nike's bringing to us and like have a unified color scheme that we can work with throughout the state. And that's really exciting, um, both in the arena and outside the arena. I think the data has shown quickly that like purple was the number one purchase item online as this happened. And then when people got into the store, it was a black, black and yellow, which is kind of interesting is when you see it in person. So I think I would just ask that 
you know, look, it's an evolution. Brand's going to evolve. Um, there's probably a fair argument that we went a little too clean, okay? Um, but it will evolve and it will go. And we want purple to be a massive part of our color scheme going forward. We have not had purple as part of our color scheme in 20 years. Carlos Boozer and Darren Williams never wore purple. We brought it back twice on annual, you know, throwbacks, but that's who we are. When you talk to opposing players that played us back in the day, when you talk to exec, they, they associate purple with the Jazz. And it's a little tricky because there's two other purple teams out there in Sacramento and L.A., but we want that to be a big part of our brand going forward in the evolution. So there you have it. There's Ryan Smith. I, I don't quite understand the a, queen, a, a clean look that works throughout the state. I don't, I'm not sure I fully understand that as a rebrand purpose. PR buzzwords. That's what it is. I mean, so the color scheme doesn't conflict with what? BYU, Utah, Utah State, Weber State? Conflicts with the Weber bees. State. Well, I guess the purple conflicts with Weber State. Right, and the new conflicts with the bees. Yeah, I don't know if I understand that. The but. the bees mascot little like tweeted out saying love the new colors. It's like, <laughs> oh, I don't like I don't like that. Oh, it's, it's almost almost a burn. You're not sure whether or not he's making fun of the jazz or not. Uh so besides besides the logo stuff, which he admits there was a reaction to and there's going to be some evolution. I don't know what that necessarily means in the years to come. But um regarding the coaching search, again, just uh, echoing what Danny Ainge said when he sat down with uh, David Locke a few weeks ago, saying if, if, if we're going to model this coaching search to what they did last time with uh, Quinn Snyder, it's going to be about a six-week process, and we're really only into the second week. Yeah, it's it, it can be a long process if you want to if you want to do your full due diligence, really look into it, interview the candidates multiple times to really figure out who they're going to be because, you know, the first time you meet them, they're going to be on their best behavior. They'll have their entire spiel memorized almost to a point. you got to try and figure out who these coaches really are, what they really think they want to do because they're going to come in talking about buzzwords and things like that. So you're really going to have to try and break it down and see, all right, what are they really going to do? How are they really going to react with the players and all that? So Yeah, uh, and then uh, making it clear that the Jazz – uh, front office is working on different ways to get into the draft. He, you could hear him laugh about some of the proposals that he has seen online that are out there, saying they're so far from the truth. But, uh, again, that could be just PR speak from the owner. Uh, I'd, I'd actually honestly believe that part where most of them aren't going to be anywhere close because that's just how it is. People will report anything they hear as credible, and so – there's 99% of trade stuff is bullcrap. Yeah, the Jazz have typically been pretty tight-lipped as an organization on how they approach these things, but uh, the next 24, uh, 30 hours are going to be very interesting. Yeah, the the draft starts like one hour from, or one day, excuse me, one day from the end of our show pretty much, I think, so. Yes, uh, two six zero three. What do you guys think happens with the Jazz and trading? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's clear that they they've set a market value for Rudy Gobert. Like they're willing to move Rudy Gobert, but it's at a very steep price. So they like him and they value him. They are willing to part ways with him, but they're gonna have to get something very 
very valuable in return, whether it's one player or a host of players and future picks. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Mike Connolly. They value him as a player in their organization, and if they're going to move off from him, they want something pretty hefty in return. I can't blame them. Both guys, I mean, they're Rudy was an all-star. Mike Connolly's a former all-star. Rudy's an all-NBA guy, defensive player of the year not that long ago. He's an elite player. Yeah, I, I think pretty much what you said as far as Gobert's value, I think they want to move him and would move him if the right deal comes along, but I just don't think the right deal will come along. Nobody's going to want to pay that price, and so while the Jazz may be willing, nobody else will be. You know, It takes two to tango. Yes. And so I don't think there will be a Gobert trade. I would echo what others have said before me, people who actually have the sources. I think Conley is the most likely to be traded, and I could see it happening. And I kind of hope it does just to, again, I, the, this lineup needs more size. It's nothing personally against Conley. It's just the lineup needs more size, and so it'd be useful. If they don't trade Gobert, they probably need to trade Conley. But I would bet against the Jazz making a trade before the draft draft day i've already said i guarantee they'll at least they'll i'm gonna guarantee they're gonna get a second round pick where that's at who knows could be back into the second round so there's only 27 picks in the second round this year oh that's right because some teams lost theirs yeah yeah uh all right we gotta take another time out on the uh here on the full court press if i can speak um when we come back an exploration of the utah state men's basketball roster uh, who's here? Well, there are some new faces, some new players, and some returning players trying to make that next step. So we'll get into that coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, Grantham Mobile Automotive, they'll come to you. So if your vehicle is breaking down or your air conditioner is not working, make sure it is working right because if it's getting, it's only going to get hotter. But Grantham Mobile Automotive can come to you to help get that fixed. Call them today, 435-229-4345. This is Ryan, my mattress. I have a little bit of a bone to pick with online bed-in-a-box mattresses. If value is the combination of price and quality, these beds are not a good value. They cost about $1,000 and they last about three years. That's not a very good ratio. At my mattress, you can get a $799 Sealy Posture Pedic that will last you 10 plus years. The best value is at my mattress. Isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? West Point Dairy Products at Hiram is hiring. West Point Dairy Products has been manufacturing high-quality butter for over 25 years in Cache Valley. They're currently expanding and want you on their growing team. West Point Dairy Products offers competitive wages for entry-level positions starting at $18 per hour, full benefit packages, double time on Sundays, a $2,000 sign-on bonus, and tremendous opportunities for growth. For immediate consideration, call Express Employment Professionals at 435-213-9595. This is Dave Simmons for Les Olson Company. Every great team knows that you have to train to stay on top of your game. Even top players continue to practice the fundamentals. That's why Les Olson Company offers free IT security awareness training so your business can stop threats before they become a problem. Learn what to do in case of a suspected phishing attack. Don't take risks. Take action with the Les Olson Security Suite. Get your free network assessment at lesolson.com. 
Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and a beautiful new office complex at 2245 North, 400 East North Logan, just south of the Cash Valley Hospital. The entire staff and doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art facility. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North, 400 East North Logan. Go to CashValleyENT.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10 is tasty and quick. Elements lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m. Visit the Elements restaurant. Restaurant.com for reservations today. Bright green cars. That's the only thing you need to remember as you're driving down Main Street in Logan looking for Jarek's fine jewelry. Hi, this is Jarek. We have a lot of people comment on the bright green cars outside, and some even talk about the building. But the overwhelming responses come when they step inside. Jarek's showroom was created to offer an intimate, romantic setting for couples to enjoy their ring-buying experience. Everyone is treated like a friend, with no price negotiation needed. Make your engagement special. Make it Jarek's. Come see us at 930 North Main in Logan. Just look for the bright green cars. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Mountain West Motors, Logan's newest truck and SUV dealership, located at 615 North Main. Great selection of trucks and SUVs. Go check them out and see their unique selection of vehicles on their lot or online, mwmotor.com. So USU basketball is in their offseason, but players are on campus. They're doing weightlifting, they're doing practices, and they're just scrimmaging with each other. And so it's got us thinking about what does this Utah State men's basketball roster look like for next year? Yeah, so for me, and we'll obviously have plenty of time to talk about this as the season gets closer, but for me, one of the things I'm most intrigued about is the potential for pick and roll with this team. You look at how the roster is constructed. You've got Ryland Jones and Steven Ashworth, two guys who were decent in the pick and roll. They did a lot of high pick and roll, and they you know, did stuff with Brandon Horvath and Justin Bean last season. You look at the guys they're bringing in. You know, Taylor Funk, really good in the pick and pop. One of the best, actually, last season efficiency-wise. Um, then you got another guy who, he's not officially announced, but Dan, I think it's Dan Akin or Akin. It, it's spelled Akin, but I don't know if it's Akin. But he's a guy who could be more of a role man. Um, Isaac Johnson, we'll see how he goes. He's supposedly a good three-point shooter. I just have to go off other people's word there because I can't find anything for myself. But he has the potential to be both. You know, as a seven-foot center, he could be a roll man and a pick-and-pop guy. Mm-hmm. And mind you, his potential may be down the road, but you look at the way this roster is set up, there is you know, real possibility to really just kind of spam high pick-and-roll and use that as a method of attack because they aren't going to have too many other ways to create offense. So use Ryland, use Steven, use these guys who are good at the pick-and-pop and the pick-and-roll, you know, rolling to the basket, and try and use that as a means to generate a lot of offense both inside you know, in the paint and then along the three-point line. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point because I I think 
my focus has been um, on who are the returning guards. What's the guard play look like? Because I think there's there's a lot of experience and a lot of talent there on the perimeter. Um, but there's been some questions about the interior. Uh, how does that get used? Is, is clear Coach Odom doesn't have just a beast in the paint. He likes guys with versatility. And so how that gets used and who plays that role will be fun to watch how that develops. Yeah, and I think if Johnson is able to step in and play some minutes, maybe be a stretch five, it'll help clear the paint because Jones and Ashworth have a lot of trouble finishing in the paint. If you give them space, they can finish, and maybe that'll help them if they've got a stretch five to work with. Tell you what, we're going to find out more about this team tomorrow. A conversation with Mason Falslov. Recently returned from his mission, getting ready to help out the Utah State Aggies. Excited to have him on the show and talk about uh, what his experience has been like and how he's getting caught up to speed. Uh, the, don't forget Dan Patrick Above the Noise, Wait. brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Yesterday, Deshaun Watson reached a settlement with 20 of the 24 women who accused him of sexual misconduct. That doesn't mean the signal caller can avoid a suspension from the NFL. It was also reported yesterday the developments between Watson and his accusers have no impact on the league's collectively bargained disciplinary process. With that question answered, there's still one that remains. Why now? It was reported earlier this year Watson would look to settle the civil cases if there was a deal with the Miami Dolphins finalized, but that never happened. But if Watson was ready then, why didn't he settle once he was traded to the Cleveland Browns? We're nearly 15 months into this process, and just last week it was reported the NFL would look into a significant suspension for Watson. Maybe those reports made Watson a little uneasy, and he decided to stop the bleeding. Or maybe the NFL and the QB struck a deal, but with a decision reportedly coming soon, we may have those answers sooner rather than later. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Callaway's 